Hello, friends. Thank you for checking out Fort Worth Roots, a variety interview podcast based right here out of Fort Worth, Texas. This is one of 10 episodes we're releasing to launch this new podcast. For show notes and all of our social media links, go to fortworthroots.com. My guest today has been an RN in Fort Worth since 2012. She recently returned from New York City as part of a 5,000 nurse pandemic response team where she spent 21 days assisting medical personnel. Please give it up for the amazing Ashley Meyer. All right, well, let's just jump right into it. Tell me, uh, start to finish, like how did you get notified that this was a uh, opportunity for you to travel to New York or was it mandated? How did that work out? It wasn't mandated at all. Um, I started seeing a lot of stuff on, stuff on social media, um, just posting about the need for nurses and um, the assignment. Um, and actually, I, I, the first time I saw it, um, it was they were offering a lot of money. I was like, oh, wow, that would be nice. I'm never right. going to have the chance to make this amount of money in yeah. such a short amount of time. Um, and then a Another part of me said, no, I would never do that. I would never go to New York and work for 21 days straight. <laughs> I don't care how much you pay me. Yeah, and especially uh, under those conditions. Yes, and so a week or two went by, and the Lord just kept putting it on my heart and stirring my heart about it. And so I took a leap of faith, and I said, well, if all the doors open, then I'm going, and it was meant to be. And if not, then so be it. Right. And sure enough, um, I got their approval from work for a leave of absence, and um, I actually got in, um, quote-unquote, accepted, because there's so many nurses calling at once. They only put out um, different time slots of when they were sending nurses out, and you had to call that day. And some some people were on the phone for four hours trying to get through to get in and get chosen. Right. Um, and I probably... People were posting all throughout Facebook. Um, I've tried literally 2,000 times on two different cell phone numbers, and I probably tried 200 times, and I was very nonchalant about it, just like, if I get through, I get through. 200 times, that's nonchalant. Yeah. Oh. Well, compared to everybody <laughs> right, else. Right, right. Um, and I even, like, took an hour break because I was just like, you know, this is, I'm just, I'm not getting through. I'm giving up. And then I saw that they had posted, well, here, call a new number. That line's down. And I was like, I bet if I call right now, they just posted a new number. It's not going to be quite as busy. And sure enough, I got through. And So what are? The, it sounds like there are a lot of prerequisites or qualifiers that you have to have in order to do this. Or is it kind of like a lottery? It, yeah, it was like a lottery. They, oh. It wasn't any kind of um, application process. You just have to have a working um, RN license, and they do a background check. Okay. So is this like a program that they had in place already, or was it COVID-19 specific? The agency is called Crucial Staffing, with okay. a K, K-R-U-C-I-A-L. Um, and they are an agency that do any kind of disaster relief. Okay. Um, I heard in rumor that this was their first actual hospital disaster relief, that they typically okay. do like field setups after like Katrina, mm-hmm. um, that type of setting, and this was their actual hospital setting. Probably work hand-in-hand with Red Cross or some of the other organizations that respond to disasters? I don't think so. I think they are privately um, a private agency. Okay, cool. So you get selected. Did did they notify you just email, phone call? How does that work? On the phone when I got through. Yeah. 
um, immediately, and we had to be set to um, buy a plane ticket and get to New York within 48 hours. So you get through on the line, and they're just like, all right, we're taking you, and they do the background check on the spot. Background check, a little information, RN license, Mm -hmm. just the basics. And, yeah, it was a very fast process. Lots of paperwork, though, though, through email throughout the 48 hours that I had to prepare and get ready. Uh I was having to send off. And the license, oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Morgan. Well, I was just going to ask, did they they pay for you to get to New York, or did you have to pay for it? Initially, I paid for it, and they reimbursed me. Now, the licensing for every state is different for nurses, isn't that right? Yes. So, as... It was all waived. So, any nurse from um, the United States could go. You didn't have to have a New York license. Okay, cool. Okay, so you had to pay for your ticket. You're out the door. How many days did you get to prepare? Two. Two. Jesus. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you get well, to the airport. One and a half, really. I got through like on a Friday, had Saturday to pack, left on a Sunday. Okay. And so you're there Sunday. Mm-hmm. And this is April? 5th. 5th. Okay. So just kind of walk us through that. What was the environment like? Was, did it seem like something out of a movie or... I was very excited. I had a lot of joy and peace that this is where I was supposed to be. I was excited um, to go and help out my country in a time of need. I almost felt like I i bet this is what um, anybody from the Air Force or Army, any military feels like when they're getting deployed, just a, a feeling of very, um, just like I'm doing something very noble and honorable and just really uh, actually curious as to just what the Lord's assignment was for me there, just how everything went through so smoothly, just excited to see what he had in store for me and how I was going to be used. Okay, that's cool. Um, I think the military guys, when they get to that point that you're describing, they have three-day-old socks and they're hungry and tired. <laughs> Did you feel that A way little too? different. No. <laughs> um, no, I was extremely exhausted uh, just from trying to gather materials that I knew I would need that were already in such short supply and hard to find. I was grateful that I have a lot of friends and family um, that supported me in leaving. I just put out a a need, a little post on Facebook saying, I need this, this, and this, and I'm leaving, so I need it quickly. And um, just cleaning supplies, Clorox, I needed blue scrubs. I I wear blue scrubs to work, but I needed more. Um, I was told by another nurse who was already there and working, bring as many scrubs as possible because um, you're working every day back this to back. Being April, you're probably having a little bit of difficulty finding supplies. Right. It was all donated. It okay. was um, just crazy how many people just came through um, uh, and just helped me. Said, here's some masks. I was going prepared. I tried to get prepared with N95s, um, just regular surgical masks, Clorox, Clorox wipes, things that I could clean all my belongings to and from the hospital. Um, to try and prevent the spread um, and keep myself safe. And I wasn't really sure what kind of environment that I'd be walking into in the hospital, whether or not they would have um, appropriate PPE, if they would have enough. Um, So I was trying to come prepared. I I did get some N95s. They weren't the actual legit N95s. They were the um, ones from China, but I, I still used them. But luckily, the hospital that I was at, supplied me with one every every few days. Okay. So they had enough to kind of keep you guys. Yes. Some of the That's awesome. Some of the PPE was a little um janky. Uh not necessarily <laughs> janky, but it was uh just wasn't always 
supplied. So yeah. the little booty covers that you have to put over your shoes, I wasn't always that wasn't always available to me. Um, a little hair bonnet wasn't always available. I had my own hats though, my hair coverings um, that I had asked for donations and went out and bought a few uh, the Saturday before. So shout out to all the friends and family members. Yes, they were a big part of um, just getting me there. And I just, I, I tried to express to all of them that just the work that I was doing there, they were so much had a hand in it. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, but yeah, so I arrive, um, I get checked in. Actually, the taxi driver was really cool. He gave me a little tour of New York um, before arriving to the was hotel, with the meter running. It was, <laughs> but it so wasn't nice even it wasn't even taxi. I don't know. Why I said taxi. It was an Uber driver, okay. and he he was like, "Oh, they're supposed to be reimbursing you because a lot of nurses were flying in that day, and he had yeah. just had somebody else that was going to the same same hotel, and they informed him that I would be reimbursed full fully." What a salesman. But, yes. And so I was like, oh, okay, sure, because I was actually exhausted. I just wanted to get to the hotel and lay down. But he talked me into it, so we did a little tour, and then come to find out they weren't reimbursing <laughs> oh, you. No. But it, it worked out well because I don't know if the karma kind of backfired on him because I know he was just trying to work work a little money off of me because somehow his, however Uber works, his little phone, he looks at it midway, and he's like, oh, my gosh, it stopped, like, 30 minutes ago, so I, I didn't have to pay, but like a $15 Uber fee. I was like, I'm sorry. Mad respect for the Uber drivers, but that guy deserved it. Right. That's that's kind of <laughs> how I felt. I was like, well, that's karma. Taking advantage <laughs> of a nurse from another state during a pandemic. Yes. Jesus. Shame on you, sir. <laughs> Shame on you. Um, all right. So you get there. Did you get a, uh, did you get a day to kind of recoup and get yourself organized? Yes. We... Thank God we did, because um, Sunday was really long. Before I even got to settle in my room, I was waiting down in the lobby just trying to get my actual room key. Um, there was just hundreds of us piling in at once, and so it was, they didn't have a lot of staff um, with the agency there at the hotel because there's multiple different hotels that this agency has um, for all the nurses coming. And so they were very short staff, so it took me forever to get settled in my room. Um, but they told us that night, be dressed and ready at 545 in the morning down in the lobby in case we have your assignments. We don't know when we're getting your assignments, but you have to be ready every day as if you are leaving for work. So come prepared. So went to bed that night, woke up, got down to the lobby at 545 and, um, they didn't have our assignments. I was like, Oh, okay, good. A day to go get food, supplies, the best I can kind of, um, look back at stuff from nursing school back in 2012 that I haven't looked at because I've been primarily L&D. That's my experience. And I walked into this not knowing what floor I'd be on, what kind of environment I'd be um, working in. We were told that we could be at um, a field hospital, at a prison. Um, Can I pause you there real quick? What's L&D? Labor and delivery. Okay, okay. Yeah, labor and delivery, women's services. So um, haven't seen... A male patient in a really long time. <laughs> Lucky guys are disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> so. so I actually took that day to refresh on a lot of uh, nursing basics. I was YouTubing, um, vent settings, uh, ICU drips, anything that I could be up against that I need to refresh, get a little crash course on before right. I walk into a hospital to take care of patients. Sure. Good on you. Um, um, oh man, I just lost my train of thought. I had another question ready for you. So that was day one. 
Day two and three, I was also waiting on my assignment. And during that time, um, just doing paperwork stuff for the um, hospital that I would be going to and for the actual um, company, the agency, stuff that New York requires, just Udane paperwork. Um, day three, though, I finally went downstairs at 545 and met in the lobby with the other 500 nurses at my hotel and um, my hotel in Manhattan, that is. Um, and we all got our assignments, and that was our first day that we headed out to the hospitals. Okay. Yeah, I was going to ask you, that's what I had brain farted on. I was going <laughs> to ask you what part of New York you're in, but that's Manhattan. Yes. Had, had you been there before? No, this was my first time to New York ever. Um, it was quite a bit of a cultural shock. Um, so our hotel was in Manhattan, but the hospital um, that the group that I was with, we went to various hospitals throughout New York City. Um, I believe we staffed most of the city hospitals. I'm not sure if we were at any of the private hospitals or not, but um, my bus that we would get on, we get on a charter bus every morning and go, all of us ride to the hospital, they drop us off, and then the same charter bus would pick us up and bring us back to the hotel. We were stationed at Jacoby Hospital in the Bronx. Okay, and I'm not real familiar with that, but Maybe somebody listening will be. Um, so the the transportation that you're talking about was it? I mean, just jam packed every time you went somewhere. It was the company, the agency that I was working for. They were paying the charter buses, so no, it was just all nurses um, that were going to and from the hospital. So you never had to like tap your foot and wait for two hours for no, a transport. Thank God, no. Um, and what were the streets like? I mean, they were taking that lockdown pretty serious. So were they just empty? For the most part, they were um, taking it pretty serious and abiding by all the rules. There were um, there were still, of course, a lot of homeless people out on the streets. Um, and they, of course, are immune to COVID-19. Right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Something that uh, just really stirred me <laughs> when I was on the streets walking back from getting groceries the days before getting my assignment, um, I saw this homeless couple, not they, they weren't a couple, I'm sorry, just strangers on the street passing by each other asking to share a cigarette. Yeah. And I was just, yeah, uh, just rage well, went through me. They don't have the news, right? I right. Mean, how would they know <laughs> that you're not supposed to be sucking on a piece of uh cigarette paper that somebody else just had Right. In mouth? Yeah. So for the most part, the streets were pretty empty. Um, but I didn't get the, unless the, the bus ride there was, we were always on the bus and leaving by six o'clock in the morning. So they were pretty empty anyways at that what time. time. Would you get back? It depends. So, um, we would try to leave the hospital by seven forty five, but that almost never happened until, until towards like week three, when things started getting better, a lot of the nurses, um, they didn't have anybody to actually give report to. So the staff at the hospital, they weren't showing up. They were either late or they just had a hard assignment that day. And so some nights I wouldn't get home till 8.45 or 9 o'clock. So you're doing easy 12 hours on your feet and then mm -hmm. you're not back. You're putting in like a 14, 15-hour day. Yeah, it was rough. And you got to find time to eat and shower. And yes. So you're probably operating on five, six hours of sleep a day, right? Yeah, I was really surprised, though, um, how it, it seemed. It just became routine, and um, I tell everyone it was 
by God's grace that I was able to do it. And everybody had a ton of people back home praying for me just to stay safe and just strength mentally and physically. And honestly, I think that's the only thing because I can tell you my schedule here in Texas um, as a labor and delivery nurse, I get exhausted after my three days. Yeah, And so doing 21 straight is a miracle that I was able to, but my right. body just, it, I got into a, such a routine that it was just eat, sleep and work. And you just roll out of bed and you do it again that's over awesome. and over. So yeah, that's amazing how quickly your body can adapt. You're not kidding it about the truly is. support you're getting back home. I was looking at your Facebook page, just yeah. trying to dig up some dirt on you. And I, <laughs> I saw all the, you know, dozens of different posts where people are just, you know, sending out prayers and support. And that's, yes. that's amazing. I'm really it happy that you had truly, that truly. Yeah. It truly was my fuel, um, to keep going. Even when I was just missing home, missing Frank, um, missing my work family here. Um, I, it was just my fuel to keep going and to keep, um, trying to see what it was that the Lord, um, why it was that he had me there and yeah. finish the work that I had I had started. Well, I hope some of those people that sent all that love and support get a chance to, to hear you talk about this so oh, they yeah. know we, how important that was mm-hmm, for you. Definitely. So I think what a lot of people, um, whenever I advertise for this podcast, are going to want to hear about are the conditions in the hospital and kind of the, the dirty side of it. Mm-hmm. You have some stories there? Yeah. Um, I've. I'm sure it won't be the first time somebody's heard this, but I tell a lot of people it wasn't just the COVID that was killing these patients. Um, Like I said before, um, I was blessed to get the unit that I actually work on, labor and delivery, so I felt that my expertise and experience was actually used and I could be helpful and not just a burden to the other nurses, but some of the nurses that I was with did not get their field. Um, I... Fortunately, did not have to see a lot of death. Um, the patients we, the patients that I was taking care of weren't um, on vents. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Um, just since I don't have experience in that area, but they were sick. We I told um, people when they asked questions. You know, we did have COVID and women's services too. Yeah. It would typically four plus um, on the unit at any given time and every day. I was taking care of a COVID patient. Um, as opposed to back here, try to put into perspective um, my hospital that I work at in labor and delivery. I think since this all started, we've seen me before. Talk total about here in Fort Worth. Here or? in Fort Worth. Okay. And so up there, every day, everybody not everybody had it, but I was taking care of somebody every day with COVID sure. and basically swimming in it. Mm-hmm. But it's there was a lot of um, before I arrived there. It was a matter of staffing. Their nurses could not possibly keep up with the patient load that um, the hospitals experienced at one time. They were yeah. not set up, as the media did portray that correctly. There were not enough vents. Um, right. I was hearing a lot of horror stories before even getting there. Um, part of our um, orientation by the crucial um, staffing was that... Um, Hold your tears for the bus. Don't talk to the media whatsoever. Um, All they want is your tears. Um, Mm -hmm. Take uh, your worst day as a nurse times 10. That's what you're walking into. Um, And that felt accurate. 
maybe the first week, but sec- thankfully the second and third week, more nurses started pouring in and it got okay. better and better. We actually got our staffing levels up to par. COVID yeah. started um, on the downhill slope. Mm-hmm. so Flattening the curve. Yes, it, <laughs> it was. Um, it did get better, but the first week it was hard. And um, the nurses that were there before me, it seems like they even had had it rougher, but um, there um, a lot of it was cleanliness of the hospital, um, not enough um, trying to figure out a way to, yeah, I'm trying to figure out a way to put it into perspective and not sound so harsh at the same time. Well, I Um, I think framing it, you know, to, to just so everybody knows, we're not saying this to Nothing that we're saying is to uh, make light of it or uh, hurt anybody's feelings or, you know, anything negative. You're just talking about what you experienced and this is what you saw. So don't feel like you have to walk on eggshells for sure. Okay. Um, so, yeah, cleanliness of the hospital, uh, the um, experience from the staff there. Um, there were tasks that they would ask me to do and they said, can you do this? And I'd be like, well, yeah, of course I can do that. Um, so just different um, working environments than what I'm used to. Um, right. Interpersonal relationship stuff. Yes. They do things a little differently than you're used to. Very differently right. than what I'm used to. Um, so there's that factor that wasn't, it wasn't just all the COVID that was killing them. Initially, I do think it was, but there there comes a time where they have, when a patient has so many comorbidities that you have to, um, I guess, decide, like, who is, quote, unquote, worth saving. So I didn't see this personally, but a lot of the stories that um, I was hearing when I would get back on the bus was, um, so this patient was worse off than their neighbor, and so they got taken off the vent, and their neighbor got the vent. Jesus Christ. The first week. So stuff like that. Um, Patients not getting dialysis for four days in a row, and then they die, and then they call it COVID. And so there's a lot of that, but I don't want people to think that, you know, oh, the nurses up there are just killing patients because there's, I mean, you can only do so much. Right. And you're not making these decisions as a nurse. Right. That comes from the administration. That comes from the physicians. Some of it. Yeah. And right. so um, I don't want to like paint the picture of like, oh, they, the staff was just awful and horrible. Um, I tried to, to give the staff that I was working with a lot of grace and try to put myself in their shoes because going on to a unit where there was only three staff nurses and seven travel nurses every single day um, because three of their nurses out on labor and delivery had COVID and three of them were out on maternity leave. So they were left with a skeleton crew before we got there. So uh, a bunch of travel nurses coming in, asking a bunch of questions. Where's this? Where's that? How do y'all do this? And so it had to be very frustrating for them. So I tried to give them grace in that aspect but also just the fact that this was temporary for me like they are living this day in day out and this isn't going away for them for a really long time you know there's an end date yeah I get to leave and they have to live this every single day so I really tried to give them grace where I could um, help out the best that I could and anytime I would get you know um, just when I would get snapped at from another nurse from a staff nurse there or even some of our travel nurses you know just take it with a grain of salt because I just have kept having to remind myself you know you're here to help yeah. you're here to make a difference it's for the patients you know not necessarily um don't take it all personal yeah. um there was instances where 
there was a little bit of neglect that I would see personally, just um, nurses not wanting to take more than one COVID patient a day. And um, I wouldn't say disaster, but um, patients' care being affected because of that. Well, you see that in anything, right? I mean, teachers, Morgan, you can attest to this. Once you give teachers too many kids to take care of, you start seeing the standard of education slipping. Mm -hmm. Uh, you, You put one nurse in charge of eight patients and you're going to see the care go down right tremendously that makes sense um i laugh at the fact that the first week one of our nurses got on back on the bus and we all just kind of debriefed about our days and discussed everything that we heard and saw and one nurse was saying i didn't even get to chart this assign or this assessment on my patient and another nurse looked at her and said wait you're charting assessments (laughs) and so we were all experiencing um, different things um we would share sad stories, share good stories. Um, One of the nurses that I work with, she was an awesome ICU nurse from, um, I believe, Austin, Texas. And she showed up on the floor the first week and was the charge nurse, so in charge of all the patients because there was no staff nurses there, had 10 patients and four vents. And she sent us out on what our little group message is, um, send help now and explain the situation. We're like, oh, my gosh, like, thank God, like, that's not – my assignment today is yeah. what was going on in the back of my head, mm. but just so circumstances like that. And, yeah. um, uh, one, one morning we got there and, um, it wasn't my unit, but another unit showed up to their floor to receive report. And there wasn't a nurse in sight. There wasn't a doctor in sight or a tech, like all the nurses had abandoned the patients at some point and left the unit. Where and did they so go? Home. Jesus Christ. And I don't know what time. I don't know if it was because our bus was a little bit late getting there and they had just left. I pray that that was the case, but they had to have administration come down and um, assign the nurses all their assignments. Is that L&D? No, it wasn't. It was like a med surge. Well, every floor there was COVID. The the unit before COVID was a med surge floor, but it was... So that particular incident, there's, there's no handoff. So right. the entire staff no, you is read walking notes in and in the computer Jesus and hope that they charted Christ. good, good notes. So stuff like that. But, mm. but like I said, I, in those instances, you try not to think like what awful nurses you try to think like, well, gosh, like they've been dealing with this COVID for how long now for, I don't know, I guess like okay. six weeks before I got there. Um, they're exhausted. They're tired of working short. Like they're, they're just worked bone dry and yeah. no, it's not right. But here we are. Let's make the best of what yeah. we can. I, th- I think something that's important to, to take into account when you're talking about uh, first line responders and nurses in a pandemic like this, uh, staff at the hospital or anybody that's in kind of a extraordinary situation like that is don't know exactly what they're going through unless you're them. Right. So it's it's amazing that you're able to look at that objectively and and kind of cut them a, cut them some slack and and just kind of take a deep breath and go, let's just get this worked out. Right. <laughs> so it sounds like they were very lucky to have you. I'm sure there were a bunch of other uh, great nurses and physicians that you worked with. Did you establish any lifelong relationships, maybe some good friends now that you have that you wouldn't have had? Yeah, I've connected with some of the um, travel nurses that I was with that were um, on my bus to and from the hospital, and then also some of the travel nurses that were on my actual unit. It's funny because one of them sent me, a little picture um, brought a smile to my face. Uh, I think it was like last Sunday when I was working. Um, she posted it on my Facebook, and it was so. Um, the first week we were there, 
We didn't have um, the face shields that are needed. Right. I don't know if you've seen them. Sure. Um, and so some company donated a bunch to one of the other travel nurses that was on the labor and delivery unit with me. And so we all wrote our name with a piece of tape and just cleaned it in between each patient. Um, and so she sent me a picture on Facebook and posted um, a picture of my face shield on. We had what was called the COVID cart. So it was a cart with all the PPE materials. She yeah. said, in memory of you, we left your face shield on the COVID cart. And it just <laughs> it brought a smile to my face. Yeah, I saw that Facebook picture. That was I didn't understand it, but now I do. That's awesome. Um, but yeah, friendships that I will definitely try to um, continue. A lot of awesome nurses. Um, it gave me a love for a lot of different fields, almost a love that I want to start learning um, ICU and ER just to, to hear all the stories that, um, and the different things that they were experiencing. I def- definitely had my own um, full experience as far as all the different various ways to learn L&D and COVID with L&D and the um, different, um, what's the word I'm looking for? just all the complications that come with the COVID and L&D, but I'm just saying to see what the ER nurses, the ICU nurses, the med surge nurses, what all they were experiencing and dealing with, it just gave me a whole nother love for their field and just a, a desire to, to explore more areas in yeah. nursing. And what a bullet point to put on your resume, right? Right. <laughs> she can COVID handle New that. York. Jesus. <laughs> How many people can, I mean, modern day, uh, anybody in the medical field, this is, uh, this is a new thing for everybody. So they're, they're kind of a rare breed now. Did you notice that uh, out of the 5,000 that were um, assigned to do what you were doing, were there a, a large percentage of them that were from Texas? Um, it seemed the only other Texas companion that I had was on my bus, the one that I mentioned earlier um, from IC, that worked ICU and was from um, Houston. Um Every once in a while in the grapevine, I would hear, like, oh, I'm from Texas. And I'd be like, oh, hey, where? Like, <laughs> fellow Texan here. Yeah, 817. <laughs> Representing. <laughs> Turns into a rap song with a bunch of nurses on buses. <laughs> we had our our silly moments on the bus. Um, I got a video of us just singing rap songs <laughs> on the way home. Just I just threw that out as a joke. Y'all really did that. That's awesome. Yeah. We had we had some fun, for sure. You had to and to make light of the situation. It was right. otherwise we were just surrounding ourselves with a ton of negativity and you had to remind yourself like there, you know, there is there is good, see the light yeah. at the end of the tunnel. And now you intimately understand why soldiers have such dark humor. Oh my gosh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I probably, truly probably truly do. Officers and everybody else that has to see stuff like that on a regular basis. Not COVID stuff, but stuff that Death and, drains you and you yeah. gotta you gotta make some humor wherever you can get it. Um, so I, I don't want to get into the stupid conspiracy theories, but I do have two Uh questions that I wanted to ask you. Um, one, well, they're both the same question. You were immersed in this for at least 21 days. Right. And you came home and never tested positive for COVID-19. Right. That's incredible. It is. How did you manage that? I mean, I understand Um, the PPE and everything, but. Wow, that's crazy, right? I mean, how many patients do you think you encountered? I mean, you're surrounded oh, a by ton. them all day. Yeah, I, I told everybody we're, we're swimming in it here. Um, I was really surprised. Um, I think, honestly, by the grace of God, all the prayers that I had for my safety, and um, I was super anal about cleaning everything. Um, 
I'll tell you a story to maybe paint the picture how anal I was. I had decided I wasn't going to have the housekeeper come and clean my hotel room. Um, I didn't want a housekeeper going from every nurse. It was all nurses and army personnel in my hotel. Um, I didn't want a housekeeper going from 500 other nurses rooms and I don't know how they're um, maintaining maintaining sanitation (laughs) in their hotel room. Um, So I had kept my um, do not disturb sign on the outside of my door and um, I had a little bag every time I would get home and I would place my shoes on the bag, clean my shoes and um, my badge, pins, anything that I had on me, I would clean it, throw it in this bag and then um, my scrubs for that day, anything, any clothing that I had on would go straight to my laundry bag. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I'd get in the shower. Um, and one day I accidentally let the do not disturbed sign on my door fall into the hotel on the inside. And the housekeeper came in oh, while no. I was gone. <laughs> All this car- thoughts, careful planning for yes, nothing. This was like the third week that I was there. And so third week and uh, you're just over like I was over Cloroxing everything I had touched because when I got to the hotel I Cloroxed everything I sold everything that I could possibly um and so I had it all cleaned I had um just certain things placed specific places throughout the hotel like this is dirty this is semi-dirty this is clean area um wow. <laughs> and so when the hotel lady came in the housekeeper and she rearranged literally everything had mm. touched everything Moved it from the nightstand over to the TV stand. Um, rearranged everything, <laughs> just burn everything in the bathroom. I was just like, I came home and I was like, I give up. I don't even care anymore. I don't care. I'm going to bed. Like it, I was just done by then. But I don't know if it was that. But I also at the hospital, I kept my N95 on the whole time, and then a surgical mask on top of that. I always wore a hair cover um, to make sure it didn't get in my hair and. Um, Tried to be as clean as possible in between patients. Um, I know, I only know of like actually one or one or two nurses that got it. Um, not to my knowledge, um, any of the nurses that I was with on my bus got it. Some of the nurses got sick but never tested positive for it. Okay. Um, but. Wow, that's amazing. So, attention to detail, some ridiculous right? clean, cleanliness and yes. procedure on your part. <laughs> And then it sounds like a fair amount of faith in there. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. So um, the second part of that question is, do you know your blood type? I don't. And I should as a nurse. Because I was wondering that for sure to see, like, you know, what are the chances of me getting it? I think it was A positive and maybe one other that had a higher chance. I don't even know if that research is still valid or not. But I did read the article about. I think they're sticking to their guns on it and. Where that came from, from what I heard, and I'm an idiot, so I'm just regurgitating something I saw probably on Facebook, but it was uh, a a previous study that they did. You know, they're using numbers from a previous, um, what what type of virus is coronavirus? Like SARS? Yeah. Isn't that right? Mm -hmm. So they were using data from the last SARS case that showed that there was a dramatic uh, drop in... in, uh, contracting whatever version of SARS for O positive and uh, O negative blood types. So they were using that data and they compared a smaller data set with the current COVID-19 and they saw a correlation. So they kind of ran with that. And as far as I know, they, they stuck to their guns. 
uh, on that data. And I, I kept telling people, I'm, I'm a positive, so I'm, I'm good. <laughs> I'm, I'm fine. I'm not going to catch this. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I have definitely relaxed a lot. Um, um, in the weeks since being in New York, uh, just a lot, just because I'm tired of cleaning yeah. everything that I touch and wearing a mask still every day at work. I don't wear my N95 here at my Fort Worth hospital. Right. Um, we just have to wear a surgical mask, but mm-hmm. I'm just like many others, just over the COVID. Yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> I definitely option. think it was real. I don't want to say like this was all conspiracy. Sure. I saw it. There was people sick, very mm-hmm. sick. Um, I don't even care to get into, you know, how it got here, if the government was part of it. Um, but it hit New York hard for sure. I right. think a lot of that was to just the, um, economic status there. So if you're not, yeah, I mean, it's people on top of people, but if they weren't sick enough, they were being sent home with eight other people in a small, tiny apartment and there's no right. way to really quarantine. Right. Um, and a lot of patients waiting at home, scared to come to the hospital because they were going to get the COVID. Right. Literally, those were those if they words. they don't have it, they're going to get Yeah, they're going to get the COVID. Yeah. Um, I heard one funny story from another nurse who was down on the ER. She said a patient came in one day who had gotten into a fight. He was arrested, and he had to get stitches in his face. And for whatever reason, I don't know the policy and procedure down in the ER, but they didn't use any kind of lidocaine to put give him stitches, Jesus. but he wasn't even worried about that. Like, never mind the fact that he was getting stitches without <laughs> lidocaine. It was, why did you bring me to, to, to the, to Jacoby? Now I'm going to get the COVID. Wait till you tell my family that you brought me to Jacoby because they're all, they're all going to be scared. I got the COVID now. Like that was just the, <laughs> News that's flash. all he cared about. He probably got it right. I mean, who knows? They were saying, can't like, follow up with that guy. Like, yeah. Where is he now? <laughs> How'd that work out? So what was it like coming home? I mean, I was actually more worried about getting COVID on the plane ride home than I was on the plane ride there. Circulated air in a metal tube. Yeah. Well, (laughs) the plane ride there, I had like 15 people if, and on the plane ride home, it was packed. Yeah. Like three rows packed. Some people didn't have on a mask at all to one extreme. And then another extreme, um, a whole family, just like they're in some kind of alien suit tower. No shame or hate on them. Like, I get it. Like, do what you got to do to keep your family safe. But just. They're like garlic hanging from their neck. Yeah. Like tapping um, on a tambourine. Or... No, it just <laughs> really covered from head to toe. The gloves. Like, all you could see was their eyes, literally. Yeah. Um, but I was I was scared of getting it on the plane. I was um, wearing a used in 95 the majority of the time. Yeah. That I could, but it was just, we were so jam-packed and crammed, and the Airbnb um, circulated. I was like, great, I've gone this long, and now I'm going to get it from an airplane ride yeah. home. Yeah. But I got tested two days after I got home and was negative and um, never really had any symptoms. I think it was any any of the symptoms that I thought I was having, I think were just allergy-related yeah. when I was there. Well, anything, right? Yeah, anything. I mean, Everybody was always like, oh, my gosh, is this it? <laughs> you sneeze once, COVID. Yeah. You know? Well, I think everybody went, well, not to your extent, but I think a lot of, I know me and you, mm-hmm. we were, you know, sniffly nose or you'd cough or anything, and you're just like, oh, God, here, right. this is how it starts. <laughs> it, it was very scary for sure in the in the beginning because there was so many unknowns, and I get it. Um, there was a lot of panic. I'm never going to understand the toilet paper fiasco, but um, it was so much panic just because it, uh, the virus, it seemed like there was different strains you know some people would be fine no symptoms asymptomatic um and then on the other hand i would have a patient going from 
um, okay status to, oh my God, like how do y'all call a rapid response here? Because that's where we're going. I, I did have one patient the first day, um, go figure. And it was, um, she declined very quickly. Her oxygen saturation and her respirations went from like 30 to 90, literally just oh gasping God. for air. And we were calling the ICU trying to get a, a bed ready, but there wasn't a bed ready. Of course, there was no room. And so that's when it came to the point, I was like, okay, well, how do y'all initiate a rapid response in this hospital or call a code blue? Because that's where we're, we're heading. Um, but so I understand the fear and there, I mean, there is still fear because um, this girl was younger than me. I'm 31 and she was only 25. Oh my God. And so it's and like a code blue. That's a cardiac arrest. Yes. Or? Cardiac arrest. Um, there were many code blues, unreal amount of code blues called throughout the day. Um, one of my posts that I'm uh, shared with everybody on Facebook to kind of put it, put things into perspective for a nurse. Um, typically you'll, you'll hear like one a day. If right. maybe once throughout your week long shift, you'll hear uh -huh. a code blue. There was four, um, the first week that I was there on one day, there was four code blues called and it was only 11 o'clock wow. and I just stopped counting the rapid responses because those are just like all throughout the day. Mm. Um, a rapid response is basically right before they're declining. We need to do something now. So it doesn't get to cardiac arrest. Yeah. Um, so I understand the fear behind it. Um, and then I understand also the people who never put on a mask once or took any precautions. Like there was just, there was so many unknowns. Yeah. And luckily we're, we're learning more and more about it and we can get a little bit more relaxed in my opinion now. Right. But it did seem like for sure the first week that I was there, like, man, is how are we ever going to get away from this? I, in my head, I literally thought they're going to have to burn this hospital down. Like they're never going to get rid of it here. Like yeah. it's just everywhere. And well, fortunately the numbers are showing that, I, th I think we did a good job of saying, oh, my God, this could be really bad. Right. Let's get prepared for the worst. No, I think we did do good by shutting down a lot of things. And and the numbers came back a lot lower, but, you know, maybe quite a bit of that was due to just the overreaction. You know, we quarantined. We right. shut down businesses. We did all this stuff that seemed extremely dramatic. And mm -hmm. for all we know, that could have been a huge factor in, in the uh, low numbers that we're seeing reported. So... Uh, I can't thank you enough for doing this. Yeah, of um, course. And I don't want to run you out of here. Is there anything else you want to say or you want to give any shout-outs? Do, um, do you have some Instagram followers that you need to <laughs> tag? No, not at all. Like I told you before, I'm not I'm not that cool um, or interesting. Um, I, would well, like, <laughs> I would like to just thank everybody, like I um, stated before, that um, – helped me to accomplish this and helped me to go help our country, help New York City um, get rid of this. Um, all of my coworkers, especially, they were just such a major factor and um, praying for me and encouraging me, um, even as far as uh, providing my unit with pizza. They all got together <laughs> and donated pizza every single weekend to my that unit. Yeah. Um, from that Spectrum all the way to um, my friend's parents who watched Frank for me for three weeks and yeah. loved him like he was their own. Um, all my family that also supported me, and I just I can't thank them enough. And of course, God who who got me through it, my main yeah. main hero. Yeah, that's perfect. <sighs> Morgan, you represent. 
the silent majority. You got silent any questions? Women. No, I mean, I think you answered them all. I, I mean, I think you this did has a been great. great. Yeah, it was really insightful, and I think you did an awesome job. What I would like to do um, whenever we release this podcast is I'm hoping that there's a lot of comments on it, and maybe we could sit down further in the future um, and answer some of those comments. Um, and you know, you'll, you'll probably have more data a few more, a few months from now. Um, yeah, of course. After looking back on it and having a chance to kind of unpack everything that happened. Mm-hmm. Cause man, I mean, we've sat here for 45 minutes and covered some of it, but I'm sure there's yeah. lots more that's still a lot of processing. Of I thought I'd get it all done in my two weeks of quarantine, but there's still things that come up and I'm just like, Oh wow. Yeah, that happened. Yeah. <laughs> well, at least this will be kind of a little time capsule you can look back on and right listen to and be like oh yeah i remember that so cool well thank you for uh thanks for having me doing this and and to the the listeners this is uh one of the 10 episodes that we're releasing uh in bulk to to kind of fire off the first part of the uh, fort worth roots podcast and uh thank you all for listening and comment in this uh or you can send me an email media at fortworthroots.com and let me know all the things i screwed up so hate mail is just as good as uh the other kind of mail all the kinds of all the mails all the mails (laughs) all right well that's it right am i forgetting anything this is like my third recording so you did great no you did great great. sitting there just (laughs) Staring you both at us, great. judging I us. I told you I would just hang out. I felt judged. No. Okay. All right. Thank y'all for listening. We'll see you later. Bye. 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 <laughs>